This morning, we want to talk about the, the uh, leaven and influence of church growth. Leaven, not 11, not, not number 11, but 11, L-E-A-V-E-N. Or we use the word yeast. In our case, we talk about putting yeast, we put yeast. Leaven, an element of church growth. When we talk about our areas of focus last week, we talked about how planting prevailing churches is going to be one of the core areas of focus for 2016. We read Acts 26 verse 19 where it reads, Wherefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. So we said that whatever vision God gives us, it must be obeyed. It's very important, Bazalala. Do you know that obedience to God, to a, to a large extent, your life depends on it? Your life depends on it. I'm telling you, if, if we walk in disobedience and we don't follow what God tells us, it puts us into a place where we are not walking in God's will. And when we are not walking in God's will, our lives are in great danger. Kenneth Hagin tells a story where in, he was preaching in a church uh, many years ago. You know Kenneth Hagin has passed on, of course. And God had spoken to him about certain things that he must do in the ministry. And for some reason, he hadn't started doing anything about it. Even if he knew, he wasn't doing anything about it. And he says that during the service, or it was after the service, I don't remember well, he was at the back you know, of the church building in a room somewhere where he kind of felt fainty and dizzy, and then he literally fell. And he was with some of the ministers who were in the room with him, and his wife was in the church service. So when he fell, the ministers rushed to check him and they realized he didn't have any pulse. His pulse was gone. And so they started praying for him and after a while he sort of came back and he resuscitated. In his own words, he says, you know, uh, when they actually got him to walk at a time, he says, in his own experience, the power of God had come on him so strongly that even when he was walking, it wasn't because he had any pulse in him. And that's what the other people said. But he said, in that moment, as that was happening, he said to God, what is going on? And God said, you haven't obeyed what I told you to do. You know? So he said he thought he was dying. So he said to these ministers, you know, they must call his wife, who when she finally came, she fell on her knees and started praying. And she said, I had not spoken to my wife because I couldn't speak to her at the time, the condition in which she was. But as she prayed, I overheard her say, Lord, forgive me. You know, I will, I will, I will release him into your service. At the time, him and his wife were still newly married. And due to the demands of ministry, he was traveling quite a bit. And she wasn't happy about it. And she had complained to the Lord. And at that time, she immediately realized you know, uh, what had happened. I think God spoke to her. He says, afterwards, when, when, they, when they told her, 
immediately God showed her and said, you see, you won't, you won't release him into the fullness of my will. And the Lord said, I can let him go now because he's out of God's will or he can be in God's will and he can live longer. Now, it's not God who kills us. Are you understanding what I'm saying? It's not God who's going to come and kill you. But to a large extent, sometimes our lives might be shortened when we don't obey God. So it's, it's very serious, Pastor. You know, it's not, you know, I, and I know, unfortunately, because often people don't understand the magnitude of what we have to do when we run churches. Now, if you're not running a church and running a ministry, you may not, you know, if it has to do with you and this and this, you know, that, that's, that's something, I understand that. But when God calls you, and when God commissions you, it's not a small thing. Obeying God is the major thing you can do. If you read in the Bible, a man by the name of Jonah, you remember his story. It's a serious thing when God gives you a command. It's not light. It's not that, you know, people can just, you can just, you know, just gloss around it. It's not that you can ask people to vote on it. We can't. We can't. If God says we must do something and you know God has spoken to you, you need to do it. Even in your own personal life, so often people disobey what God tells them. God is speaking to you about getting into ministry. God is speaking to you about changing certain things in your life, but you're not doing it. And Paul says, I was not disobedient. Obedience is what we need to embrace as God's children. When God speaks to us about his mission, we must do it. So if God speaks to us about planting churches, we must do everything in our power to plant those churches. We need to obey. Why? Not only does our life depend on it, but even the lifespan of what we are doing depends on it. Very often ministry starts hitting a plateau or they start deteriorating and going south because as God speaks to those churches about new areas of responsibility, the leaders don't obey. Or the people in the church are not in any way obedient to it. Then people want to go another way. You need to be very, very careful when leaders stand up and talk to you about what the church should be doing. Very important. And when we highlight things and say, this is important, that's fine. Let's go there. Let's have this conference. Let's do this. Let's do this. Moses had the biggest challenge in leading the children of Israel. Why? It was God's will for them to go to the promised land, reach the promised land, but in the process, they complained, they did all kinds of things. When, when he sent out 12 spies to go and spy out the land, 10 come with an evil report. And the Bible says, and the people believed the 10 spies with the evil report. And God said to that generation, he said, because, because, because of what you did, because you, you, you complained and said, you are not going to reach your destiny. Yeah. And the age group that was from 40 years up, all of them, they perished in the wilderness. Only the new people obeyed. So I'm telling you, Basalana, it, it, it's, not, it's not as people think. It's not just we are just suggesting here that we're going to plant churches. <laughs> It's not just some nice idea that we conceived in a boardroom like I was saying last week. It's what God wants us to do. And if we do not obey it, we stand a risk to a large extent of being affected in many ways. Can I hear an amen in the church? Can I hear an amen in the church? 
So we need to obey. Obedience, the Bible says, is better than sacrifice. Our life depends on it. The life of our ministries depends on it. Our future depends on it. Obeying what God said. And very often we can do church in accordance with what we think. In accordance with the nicest thing that's done or the most current thing or the usual trend about the question, whatever we are doing, does it line up with what the word of God says? Those are very important questions. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you are saying amen as well. <laughs> Psalms 127 verse 1. A song of decrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. See, every day we are involved in the process of building. Every day when we wake up, we are building. Through our time, our efforts, our, everything we do, we give money, prayer, everything. We are building. Life is a process of building every day. Like, I, you know, the, someone I did sometime, some, I think it was sometime early last year, when I talk about the laws of seed time and harvest from the book of Genesis. Life is about seed time and harvest. We are always planting and reaping. And when we reap, we are reaping what we planted. So when we reap something different, as though we don't understand, as though maybe God doesn't like us. See, so often people plant, and we plant with our time, we plant with our words, we plant with our actions, we plant with our decisions, we plant with what we read, we plant where we spend our time, where we go, we plant in what we read, what we listen to, we plant in relationships, we plant through our words, we plant through what we, what we think on, we plant, we are, every day we are planting, I'm telling you, every day, 24-7, 365 we are planting. You are planting. You are here today, 7 o'clock in the morning, in the church. You are planting. You are planting. Even this sermon that I'm preaching, I'm planting. The church becomes what you preach. Yes. What becomes important in a church, what, what gets highlighted in the church is what is preached. So we are planting. So if we do things, we are planting. So later on, people look at what they have planted and they are surprised by it. They are surprised by it. And the truth is this, Barcelona, it's about planting. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Can I hear an amen? amen. May our labor never be in vain. What do you say, Barcelona? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like years later when I look at whatever we've been involved in as a church, I should be ashamed of it. Or heaven shouldn't give its approval concerning it. You know, because we can go on many years, do church, do church, do church. You know, one of the most powerful things, uh, yesterday I was actually checking and, and, and studying along the lines of why is history so important, you know. And, and the thing that is so true, Basil, is that unfortunately for us, because we are living in the now, it's very difficult for us to, to imagine how we will look like a hundred years from now. You know, or it's, it's difficult for us to imagine how we will be 10 years from now. Or even five years from now. Now, I think it was, uh, I was talking with uh, 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 Bishop Freddie Edwards a uh, week before last. And he said something that struck me. He said to me, 
Mosa, I'm making decisions now because I'm looking at my life from beyond the grave. You know, that was very profound. He said, you see, because if you don't, if you don't look at your life on the other side of the grave, you, you cannot have the insight to say there are certain things that are not worth my time. I'll take that half-hearted hand clap. I appreciate it. Thank you. It is Lazar. They're not even doing that. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. If, if you don't look at your life on the other side of the grave, it's very difficult for you to understand what is it that matters that you must be spending more time on. Because, Brother life goes away so quickly. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, when you're still 20 years, 16 years, you don't think that way. You don't think that way. You only wake up. Maybe it's because as we mature, we, we are able to know what is more important in life. Because there are certain things when you, are, when you are 16, they are so important, but you realize when you are 50 that they are not important. And yet you spend all your time pursuing them, spending money, fighting for them, everything. But when you are 50, they don't matter. They didn't add anything to you. Nothing. They didn't add anything. See, as the church of Jesus Christ grows in South Africa, you know, and as we mature, and many of us now have been in ministry 30 years, 32 years, and so on. See, 32 years later, as a pastor, you realize that there are certain things that you did then, certain sermons that you preached then, certain programs that you had then that were nice, but they are not contributing to a strong church. They're not adding. So now they're good. There's nothing wrong, Katsuan Amara. They are not, they are not, they are not building a church that will do what Jesus called it to do. So now they're okay. So I would challenge you once in a while to, to go on the other side of the grave of your life. You some of you don't even want to think about it. You know, you don't even want to think about that one day you'll be lying in a coffin, not saying anything. Having done everything and you will, have, you will have used all your time, all your resources and what awaits you is the reward in heaven. And that is if you are born again. Because if you are not born again, you go elsewhere. So I would ask you to go on the other side of your grave. You can do it right now. It's not spooky. Think about it. Think about yourself. It's not spooky at all. Think about yourself. Go on the other side of the grave. Think about... What is it that you are spending your life on right now? Things that you're postponing to do. Because you think you live forever. Right? Things that are a priority. Things that you're involved in. Think about yourself on the other side of the grave. Think about if you were to stand before God now, the account you'd have to give concerning your life. What would you say? If you can think like that, I'm telling you, it will change how you live. It will change how you live because you will, you just imagine if, if I was to die now, if, 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 and God forbid that wouldn't happen, that we just pray God, it doesn't happen. But if something was to happen to you now, now, if, if now, now, this is just, in Jesus' name we pray that doesn't happen. You've not... You've not been saying anything the whole morning when I said that part. Now your amen is so loud. But 
And if, 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 that, if that was to happen, think about it. How would you have the boldness to stand before God and say, I have done everything you told me to do? Would you be proud of where you spend your time, how you've lived your life, what you've given your life to? Those are very difficult questions to answer. But it is that kind of a question that gives agency to your life. And you understand, except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. And Jesus said to them in Luke 2, 49, the last part, he said, I must be about my father's business. That's what we want. And so church planting is one of those things that is of the father's business. God wants us to plant churches. He gave us a command to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations. And part of that, one of the things we do is to establish our physical presence in certain localities. We cannot just be one church in one location. We should be not only in Gauteng, we should be in other provinces, not just in other provinces, in South Africa, only in other countries as well. Amen, Barcelona. So church growth happens because there are certain principles that make church growth happen. And one of those things is leaven. Go to Matthew 13, 33. Matthew 13, 33. Another parable spake he unto them, referring to Jesus. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which when a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Can we have it in the New American Standard Bible, please? He spoke another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. All right. So Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to leaven. All right. He compares the kingdom of heaven to leaven. Now, you know, most of the times people fail to understand what's the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God because you know Jesus talks about the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven when you study it to be honest with you the, technically there's no difference okay so the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven is is the same thing but what does it mean because when I read that as a, as a young man as a child I used to think about the kingdom of heaven you know Scott something about heaven some, what goes on in heaven you know so it's it has nothing to do with me it's something that goes on very far away in heaven you know now, that the word kingdom is used is you cannot have a kingdom without a king. All right? And you, you can't have a kingdom without a king having his subordinates. A king rules because they rule over somebody or they rule over people. So when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, all it means is how God rules and governs. Or, note, how the rule of God is expressed. Or, even easier, the kingdom of God simply talks about the way God wants things to be done. 
or the way God does things. Anything that God does, however God moves, if you want to understand how God works, how God moves, then you must understand the principles of the kingdom of God. So whatever principle is there of the kingdom of God, it, it, if, if you want to understand how God operates, study those principles. Okay, for instance, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about the seed. He says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a man planting a seed. So when we read that verse, we understand that the way God works is God works through planting seeds. God never starts anything big. He starts everything in seed form. Are, are, you, are you understanding? Are you understanding this? So when you talk about the kingdom of God, simply put, it is the way God does things. The way God does things. So we want to understand how God does things. So one of those things, one of the way God does things is Jesus says, God uses the same principle, can we have the verse up there, as that of a woman taking yeast and putting it into dough. Right? The way God works is in the same way that when a woman wants to make dough, he takes leaven and puts it in the dough. Now if you open a hand you know, if you're going to either bake or, or it's a tumble or anything like that, you use yeast. Is that right, ladies? Leaven, is that right? Hey, maybe I should say ladies and gentlemen because little Nasser is about these days. Amen. Amen. Yeah, no, no, no. Right. So, what happens? You go and buy yeast. Right? Leaven. Which one do you buy? Anchor. Is that as anchor? Get right. Get anchor, Give me other, other products. Anchor, any other one? Sam, so I see some of the ladies, you don't even know the... You mean you don't ever use the yeast at all? Okay, it's anchor, what else? So usually that yeast, either, you know, most of it, whatever form it comes in, you take a little bit of it, right? And you put it into the dough. I'm just fast-tracking. I know there's other things, there's warm water, everything. I won't go onto that. So you put it into the dough, you knead the dough, you let it come, knead it, knead it, knead it, knead it, and then you leave it in there. And sometimes I've seen wife and I've never understood why you ladies have to taste something like that. Yuck. But then you, 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 you put it in, and then what happens? You have to cover it so that it gets warmth, or put it in the sun, right? And as you expose it to warmth or the sun and really add tight that yeast starts to work itself into the dough. Initially, after I will know yet, you know, you, you could taste the you could taste the the I don't know in English, okay, dough. Oh yeah. You could taste the dough. You could taste the tam. I'm sorry. You could taste the dough. That the dough is fine. Now you know, because you'll put in whatever, maybe butter or margarine, and you've put in sugar. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. I know how to do it. How? I know. So you, but then what happens? As, as you've left it in that container, the, the yeast works itself into the dough. And it affects the whole dough. 
to a point that sometimes even when you need it you can see it's kind of puffed up it's got air in it it's changed in form are, are you there in Nebuchadnezzar? And it even becomes more after Nako Eitzen, you need it again. And the more you will yet, is the more we farm. And then even further on, when you take it and put it in the oven, if we eat the kuku, or if we eat the dumbbell, or we can eat more pizza, or we can eat more rameti, then what happens? It keeps on working. It keeps on working, and then yareisa, yareisa. The cakes start to hold each other fluffy. Isn't some of these cakes that when you eat them, it's like, That's when the person who was doing that doesn't know how to do that. Either I erase enough, five enough time, or you're not have to room mixer before in. Just ask your neighbor, it looks like it's you. Some of you, your cakes didn't How can say, A1 for the whole month? Bless the Lord. <laughs> or if, if it's if it's if it's le dombolo, if the yeast wasn't enough, I'll erase la floor. But if there's enough yeast, it becomes nice and fluffy, you know, even when you eat it, ah, it's nice. Now, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. So, in other words, how God gets things to work is to inject leaven. Now, what I want to show you is this. There's a leaven that brings about church growth. Certain things that when you put them into a church, the church will grow. Certain principles that if you apply them, leaven when it's put in, so there are certain things that if you put them in now, I'll give you this. I know very often when Jesus has used the word leaven, and even in the Bible when the word leaven is used, it's used sometimes in a negative way. All right? But remember, anything that's negative also has positives about it. Let me give you an example. For instance, like in Matthew 16, 6, Jesus says, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? Because also on the negative, there are certain things that if they are injected into the system, they start causing problems. Even in a church, a church can be killed and destroyed by things that people put in. Gossip, division, fighting, disloyalty. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus was saying, people must be aware of their leaven. There are certain people, Bazalana, they carry leaven that you must stay away from. Because if you hang around them, because here's the problem, you see, leaven, it starts small. But that small thing causes so much harm. Over time, it causes so much damage. You know, you can hang around certain people crowd. They are saying things that are negative about your church. They are small. They are quite small. It's some nice, some comments. Sometimes it's just comments. But you find over time, you start having an attitude. Because it's leaven. It's growing. It's affecting you. It's, 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 after a while, you, you can't receive anymore. After a while, you start seeing more wrong things, more negative things. 
You start seeing more and more and, and you think the church has become bad. But the church hasn't become bad. It's you who has become bad. Over time you say, no, even, I can't even, you know, there's no anointing in this church anymore. No, 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 no. It's not the church that changed. It's, 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 it's the leaven that changed you. Yes. So leaven very, very often can be used in a negative way. Leaven affects our lives. It affects the lives of the people when it comes into contact with them. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, when he was talking to the Christians there to say, there's this person who has sinned amongst you. Take them out. Don't allow this person to stay among you because this person is unrepentant. It's not about having done wrong, but it's about having repented of the wrong. Because all of us we will do wrong at a certain point. But he says, this man is unrepentant and he continues to be among you. He says, your glory is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Hmm? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven can bring a whole change in a church. Yeah. Small things, small things like this. That's why it's critical for us, the company we keep. I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, sometimes people think they can go and hang around bad company and it won't affect them. <laughs> the same way if you hang around anointed people, you will be anointed too. Yeah. Same way, same way, same way. I'm telling you, it works in the negative and in the positive. Same way. You hang around people who love God, who live for God, who talk about God, who pursue God. You, even if initially you were not that, that much of a strong Christian. You know, uh, we had Muruti Kedimakopo, he was at the, he came to the conference now, you know, and uh, so we got to meet him, uh, my bishop and I, and, I, and afterwards I was talking to Muruti Keni, and I was telling some of the young people that were there, and I said, Kana, we were at school together. And I remember 1979, when we met at school, I was a Christian, but you know, my, I, I, was not, I wasn't living as I should as a Christian. I wasn't doing big sins, but I was, I was not a hot Christian. I was a lukewarm Christian. Very lukewarm at the time. I, you know, I had reached a plateau in my spiritual life, and, and, and I was starting to have certain issues. He, on the other hand, had run away from the call of God. He had been called by God into the ministry. He didn't want to go into the ministry, so he was running away from God. So both of us, when we met, we found out that we were Christians. He found out I was a Christian, I found out he was a Christian. But you see, I didn't know the kind of Christian he was. He was a running away Christian. <laughs> Nor did he know the kind of Christian I was. I was a lukewarm Christian. So we were hiding that from each other, and because of that, and because of shame, we pretended to be strong Christians when we met each other. So, so when we met each other, we would try to impress one another. And thank God for trying to impress one another. It took us to another level. Thank God. But you know, I remember when I met him and we started meeting other Christians, all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like coals of fire. You know, if you have, if you have coals of fire and, and all of them are aflame and burning red hot, if you isolate one of those coals and, and, and you put it aside on its own, after a while, the fire dies out. Yeah. You see, so you need to be among people. 
whose leaven can affect your life. And you can stay burning hot, strong for the things of God. But at the same time, you can stay among wrong people. And you start doing things, saying things. Your conscience starts accommodating things. You start thinking in certain ways. Certain things no longer matter to you. When you used to be someone who loves to read the Bible, you don't read it anymore. You love to pray, you don't pray anymore. Now you are accommodating certain things. Certain things become a priority to you because I've realized in life, we all, we all decide what is more important. Yeah. Whatever is important to you, you'll make time for it, you'll give your money to it, you'll give your time to it. Because it's important. It's not a matter No, no. It's a matter of its importance. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. If something is a treasure to you, your heart will be there. You will do anything it takes. I remember World Cup 2010. People used to stand in queues. Yeah, for days to be able to buy the tickets. Yeah, I did go Mama Ponyamo to go and check. Mama Ponya, yeah, Ponya was the editor. Yeah, you should have seen the queues here. Long queues. People stood. Not, you know, if it was just for hours, it would be something. For days to get the tickets to go to a soccer to a soccer match. For days, and they didn't mind how much it cost. The very people who say they don't have money to pay for a church conference. Some of you, you said it's too expensive. This one, I'm telling you, Basalan. I'm telling you. It's not, it's not a matter of not having. It's a matter of what is a treasure to you. Because if something is a treasure to you, I've often told you, when you look at FNB, if there's a derby, people come from Cape Town, Port Elizabeth. You see with the cars that come, I mean these evacos, you see many of them. When you look at the registration, eh, the match is starting at 3 in the afternoon. These people are already here 8 in the morning. So it must be that they must have left the day before. And if the match is on a Saturday, it means they left on Friday. And if they're working, it means they applied for day offs. But Christians can't. It's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's not a priority. Yeah. We busy ourselves. We busy ourselves. We come up with a million reasons why we can't do certain things. And that's what happens with, with leaven. You hang around certain environments. You hang around certain people. The leaven starts working inside. Bit by bit, you start changing. Bit by bit, certain things that were a priority are not a priority anymore. You know, in our church, for me, it, it is so sad because when I see people, when they start, you can see they come to everything. With time, as they grow and mature, they start being very nitpicky. And now they start being busy and they have options and they give excuses. And then I'm thinking, oh, what's happening? What happened? But you see, you'll find that with time as people mature, they start hanging around people. Because as people grow, you see, when you're still young, a young Christian, you don't, say, you don't see much negativity in your church. You enjoy everything. You were just blessed by the person there at the, 
at the corner of the road with a board that says seven o'clock service. You were just blessed. You were so blessed. In this church, they, they even care for us to show us where to park. But now that you've been coming here for a long time, you don't like it when they show you to park far. You want to park inside the yard. It's part of maturity. You were so blessed when you came in just to see the yard having grass. You were so blessed. So blessed when you came in and the usher showed you where to sit. You were so happy. Who? They are so considerate. They even show me where to sit. But now Uluanali and now wants where to sit. You know, in when you came in and the music was on, you were so blessed. Now the sound is too high. The songs are too low. You were so blessed when I preached. You were so you were so blessed. You could just feel the presence of God. Now today. There you go, you see. But we don't realize. You see, wherever you spend time, whatever you expose, there's leaven that keeps working. Something that when you inject, starts causing changes. And there's leaven that can cause a church to grow. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in the house? And the good thing is leaven brings change. Leaven brings growth. Leaven is a growth booster. <laughs> See, it is what the woman put in the church that made it grow. Leaven is something that when it enters, it brings change. But then a church growth doesn't just happen because we like it or we wish for it. I'm telling you, church growth happens because something has entered. It's a supernatural, spiritual thing. There are principles that cause a church to grow. Some of you may take it for granted that the church is growing, that we're planting churches. To you, it may seem easy. I'd like for you to try it sometime. And see how easy it is. It's not that easy. And those of us who are involved in it, we understand it's because there are certain things that are put into the system. Certain things that are injected. There are three components of leaven that I want to talk about. Three components of the leaven of church growth. Number one, I want to talk about the leaven of wisdom. Wisdom. We need to receive wisdom from God for church growth. The more we do church, the more I realize it's really not based on how clever we are or whatever. It's based on the wisdom that comes from God. Because sometimes you can have all the principles and everything and never get the results that you want. Proverbs chapter 4 from verse 7. It says wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. It is therefore get wisdom and with all you're getting, get understanding. Keep going, verse 8 and 9. Exalt her, exalt wisdom and she will 
promote you. You want to be promoted? You got to exalt wisdom. Exalt her and she will promote you. Note, she will give you honor when you do embrace her. Verse 9. She will give to thy head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver unto you. Can I hear an amen, mother? Wisdom. We need wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom talks about the way we think. Wisdom talks about the things that we practically apply. There are things that when you apply them, they cause the church to grow. They cause the church to grow. There are programs. When we have them in our church, will cause our church to grow. Seminars that when we host them in our church will cause our church to grow. Decisions that when we make, they will cause our church to grow. But you see, if you don't know that, it's hidden from you. You can do all kinds of things that never cause a church to grow. Wisdom is the principal thing. My favorite one, Proverbs 24 verse 3. It says, through wisdom is a house built. Through wisdom is a house built. You know, Ahai is not an easy thing. <laughs> to build, it's not easy. That's why it's so difficult for people to build. Whether it's a house, and, and in life is about building. Everything about life is about building. But you can't build if you don't have wisdom. I always give the example here, Mona talked about it during the conference, that one of the things we had to grapple with when we wanted to build this building is the reality of being in an under-resourced community. We are among people who don't earn a lot of money, they don't have big jobs that give them a lot of money, but we need to have them support the vision of the church because that's how God builds. So the question is, how are you going to raise 23 million rents? How are you going to raise it? How are you going to raise it? Because God doesn't drop money out of the sky. You know that by now. So how are you going to raise it? So you have many options. You can either steal. It is an option. You can either lie, that's another option, or you can borrow and not repay. There's many options. Many options. This is why it's hard to build, Bazal, and I'm telling you, it's very hard to build. Whether it's a church, it's a business, it's hard to build. So, and, and so, we could at the same time talk about uh, the context of where we come from and explain to everybody how impossible it is to build because of the context. But you see, I, I, I wasn't going to take that. We were going to build the church. So what did you do? As I prayed, as I thought about it, God gave me wisdom. 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 How do you do it? Collect offering every month, first Sunday of the month. Let people give. So we did that. Then next step, take that money, put it in the bank and invest it. We did that. 
over many years. And that's the thing, Basaran. Building takes time. You apply the same principles again and again and again and again and again. In the process, people were coming up with stories. People who used to make funny comments. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Shoes after the service, people would say, Yay, Kibana building offering in your shoes. You know, maybe some of you you say this out of teasing. But I wish you knew how hateful that is for some of us. When you're trying to do something and people make those kind of comments. In the process, you see people leave the church, go somewhere, and Abafita Kuala, they create so many stories. So many stories. That story everywhere. Some of you, you could never take that. It would destroy you. You would, you would have a stroke. Yes. Being talked about everywhere, you know, I would, I would have people talk about me. Basa iturikin, nakiruti mababu wakana ene wamutla mutote wabu wa. Ubu wa ezo, they really know me. Wow, lo musa lo, lo musa lo. Hey! Yanali, yanali, yanali. Imagine going through 18 years of that. Some of you can't stand being criticized just for one day. 18 years. Newspapers writing articles about you that are not nice. Theologians making, writing papers about you. You know, people discussing you. Everywhere you go. <laughs> I tell you. But you see, if you're a builder, you know you must go through that. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. That's why I'm not moved by some things that people are doing now. It doesn't move me. But you see, it's wisdom. So we did that. We built the first church. We, we, we built this one. Extended it. And now here's the nice thing. Because we learned how to do it, now the next ones we buy cash. That's, but, but, that first project is the most difficult. The same with church growth. What are the principles? What are the things that are going to make our church grow? What, what are those things? We must apply them over time. So why do we have seminars, conferences? Why do we read books? Why do we do camps? Why do we... Do training on Saturday. Why are we doing that? Why do you bring guest speakers? Why? Because we are injecting wisdom principles so that we learn how to do it. See, if you've never done something, it's difficult when someone who's done it is telling you because somehow we, we, we as human beings, we are strange people that even if someone has done something that we haven't done, when they tell us how they did what they did, we still don't think it's, it's right. When he says, no, you must pray more, you think, oh, no. Mara, you haven't even built. <laughs> See, it's almost like when, when, when pastors come and they want advice on church growth. And when I tell them, oh, no, if you want a church to grow, this way. And you can see, even when you're talking, they don't believe you. They think it's, you know, almost like a teenager. When you tell a teenager, you know, certain things. Oh, wow, Shabarai. Grizen Agazi leaks. How many of you are sitting next to Grizen? 
crazy nagazi next agazi next wisdom talks about the actions that we take in ministry the actions that we take in ministry are a result of how we think look at mark chapter 6 verse 2 i love this one it says and when the sabbath day was come he began to teach in the synagogue and Mary hearing him talking about Jesus were astonished saying from where does this man get these things and what wisdom is this it says from where says this man these things and what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands the mighty works are connected to the wisdom If you don't have wisdom you can't do mighty works. Yes. And and they saw it they said, "No, what wisdom is this that's given unto him? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hand." You must remember, all they know about him is that he was a carpenter. This is somebody who used to do tables, coffins, doors. Huh? This is somebody who can just get him born. Huh? All of a sudden this person who was doing all these things is doing mighty works. Raising the dead, healing the sick. This person has transformed. Wisdom will transform you into what what people cannot understand. Yeah. They will not understand how come? How come Ramotseba simamang? How come? So when you put wisdom into the system It's going to change and transform everything. Can I hear an amen, Bazala? What wisdom is this? Number 2. Secondly. The second component of leaven is you need to change your stereotypes. Change your stereotypes. If if you want to grow and if you want to experience growth, You must be willing to change your stereotypes and I'll explain what I mean. In 1 Corinthians 5:7, Paul says to the church in Corinth, "Patch out." Somebody say patch out. Say it again. Say it again. Patch out what? Patch out what? And I it clean out what? The old leaven. Say it again. Clean out what? Or patch out what? The old leaven. Patch out the old leaven that you may be what a new lamb so there are certain things that you must take out if you want to be a new lamb there are things that you must remove and one of those things is whatever stereotypes you had or belief systems that you had of the past concerning church growth and you find out they are not right just take it out You see sometimes Barcelona that which brings calmness and progress is a very small adjustment. Small adjustment. Small adjustment. I remember years ago I had a I had a a, a car that I had driven if this is wrong. We were driven from the Eastern Cape all the way back here and I was preaching call kind of was the university that not Eastern King, not roads. Eh? Forte. I'd gone to Forte, got preached there, and drove all the way. It's about nine hours, something like that, ten hours if I'm not wrong. Had driven through the night, arrived home, 
came to church, preached, and then during the week my car wouldn't start. I mean, imagine we drove all the way, and now in the week it wouldn't start, it wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. I took it to people, mechanics, and you know they tell you all kinds of things. Change this, change this. Have you ever told you? They better change this. Change the battery, you change the battery, still it doesn't start. Change the alternator, you stand the alternator, it still doesn't start. But no, it's your starter. Change the starter, it doesn't work, but it's your cables. Everything, I changed everything. Everything, my car would not start. Sometimes it would start, sometimes then it wouldn't start. It was always a problem. Finally, one day, just by default, just by default, this person happened to be working on my car, and they realized that my fuse box, my fuse box, I don't know how many of you know what a fuse box is. Yeah, the ladies will know. You drive cars these days. Or let drive a fella, let's see what's going on underneath the bonnet. Stacky like a battery terminal, Fuse box, you see, that there's, a, there's a thing in the car and lead fuses. Fuses are these small things that, that, that regulate the flow of electricity from one component to the other. So that if it's too much and so on, they can, they can be able to blow out so that it doesn't damage the rest of your car. They're like just a control mechanism. But it serves as a connector from one point to the other. That's the most basic explanation I can give. And this fuse box has got many wires that connect to other many wires. And the fuse box was loose. All the guy did was alone. <laughs> was to take one screwdriver. screwdriver. It didn't take long. Screwdriver didn't even take more than a minute. And my car started. And it, never, I never, it never gave me problems from that. Never, not once. Now, if you had taken it to some mischievous mechanic, they would have given you a list of 10 things that they've had to buy that they know they didn't buy. And they would charge you a lot. Of, I mean, this guy didn't even charge me for that. Now imagine I was running, I bought a new starter, bought a new alternator, bought a new battery, changed all kinds of things, and I can never, never, never. But when I got the wisdom to do the right thing, see, when I got the wisdom to do the right thing, one, one small, one small, it's not a lot, one small, and this is what I found when it comes to church. That's why when you receive new truth, don't rebel against it. When you are challenged in things you haven't done, don't immediately answer back and say, but this. Learn to open your mind and learn. And, and look at what you're doing and say, maybe this is the screwdriver that I've been looking for. Just a small adjustment. A small adjustment. Remember, it's only a little leaven that levels the whole land. Just, it's not a lot. Just a little. So, there are things that God speaks to us concerning church growth. There are things that God speaks to us and speaks to our spirits. This is why it's important for us to always be listening to God so that God can challenge our stereotypes. And listening to God is not just reading his word. What You can see something somewhere, hear something somewhere, and if you know God is speaking to you, be open to that. Can I hear an amen, Bazaar? We need to continue hearing from God. 
Never be content that what you did yesterday will continue working today. Always inquire from the Lord. Because a little change of strategy, a little adjustment of approach, a little change of the program, like you know, we took a long time without having a successful word explosion conference. We tried it many times. We, you know, and, 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 and what we found out was that you know, when we had it on certain dates, they were clashing with other things. So we kept moving until we moved it to the right thing. And when we moved it, just a small adjustments, boom, it worked. Yes. So always be open <laughs> to the influences of the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen, brother? It's very important. Okay, let me skip some of the things for the sake of time. And number three, the third component of wisdom is get ready to receive the anointing for church growth. There's an anointing for church growth. See, when leaven enters any dough, it causes growth. Never underestimate, Bazalan, the power and the influence of the anointing. Never. And this is why I was asking many of you if you came, not only to the, the conference and to another, but to everything we do. Because some of you, you, you miss out because when we are in those services and we are receiving from God, you are not there. Certain things you will not get them on a CD. Yes. I'm telling you, you need to be there. I've been in services, you know, Many, many over the years. The ones that stick out, the mo not the most, but they stick out in my mind in the early days, is how we would go to these conferences, Korema. You know? With, we didn't have cars, you know, you, you go there, you don't have money to come back, all kinds of things. But we went. We went. And you sit in the service, and those services were very long those years. Maybe that's the thing that we have lost these days. And would stay for the whole day in the service. You know, sometimes you don't even understand what they're saying. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Sometimes we, there's a lot we didn't understand. And some of these speakers, they, you know, they were from the, those years, we were not exposed to different inter, in, intonations. So you have somebody from America who comes from Texas. They pull every word. You can't hear what they're saying. You, don't, you sit in there, you don't hear a thing. Labara, amen. We're not a fellow. Amen. You don't hear. Or even if you hear, sometimes you don't understand what they're saying. Because certain things, when they say it and it's your first time to hear it, you're kind of thinking, no, it can't be that easy. You know, your mind is going through many. I, I don't know if you're like me, but I've been in those situations. But you know, when I came back to the church to lead, there was something on me. <laughs> there, there was just something on me. The church just started working. When I preached, I was different. When I spoke, the people responded. Hey, I was surprised. Wait. Things started growing. And then I understood. It's the anointing one. He's anointing on me. I was, I was in an environment of 
of the anointing and I caught a little leaven. And I took that leaven with me. And wherever I went, that, that leaven just got inside and things started working. Yes. I mean, being exposed to growing churches, Rayma, Hetfield, you know, all those, these, I mean, then Reinhard Bonke with his big crusades. You know, you see things that are large and big and working. People serving God. It was, I mean, Ronaldo Church, when it was big those days, was 120 people. So I had to challenge my stereotype and say 120 is not it. We can go beyond 120. We can do it. I had to throw that out and say maybe this, this is what I was told. This is what I believed and maybe this is what worked, Mara. Mara, I have seen something different. I've tasted something different. It's forcing me to think differently to believe differently it's it's forcing me to pray differently it's forcing me to walk differently it's forcing me to associate differently it's it's forcing me to to preach differently it's forcing me to talk differently it's it's just forcing me yeah and when you do that then it starts working then after a while i realize wow it's the anointing is the power of God. Because when I look at, you know, and all these things work together. However, I found out the greatest of them for me is the anointing. Not the, it doesn't, the anointing doesn't work alone. But if the anointing wasn't there, and you see the church grow, outgrow at last, outgrow this, and, and more people keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. It's not, it's not, it's not just, it's the anointing. And when you understand it's the anointing, you, do, you want to walk in that anointing all the time. It's the anointing. I'll conclude with this. When you look at the life of Jesus, it's the anointing that changed him. This carpenter did amazing thing. He became different after he received an impartation. The Bible says, from this time, Jesus began to do. That's in John 2.1. This is the, the beginning of miracles. This is the beginning of miracles. The Jesus in Cana of Galilee. He began to do. Meaning, how did he began to do? There was a starting point. Before that, he couldn't. But after the spirit had come on him. He began. I see you beginning in the name of Jesus. I said I see you beginning in the name of Jesus. Yes. When the anointing comes on you, you begin. We must take note of unusual spiritual things. We must be aware, Bazalana, and conscious of the anointing and the presence of God. Moses had a similar experience. And God says, take your rod and use that rod. We need wisdom to understand the key that will make our ministry work. God says, use the rod. So what is it that ignites the grace of God in you? 
Because before we are anointed, we can be just ordinary people. But I'm telling you, Bazalana, if we add the component of wisdom, challenging our stereotypes, walking in the anointing, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about these things as weeks go along. We will see church grow. But the question I want to ask is that, will you be part of that church growth? Yeah. Will you be part of that? There's more things I'll talk about in the coming weeks. But we want to plant prevailing churches. Not just in South Africa, but in other parts of the world. And we know it can only happen by the power of the living God. And it can only happen because you and I are putting into practice certain principles. We're putting them into practice. And I see you being a part of that. I said, I see you being a part of that. I said, I see you being a part of that. Look at your neighbor who's not saying anything and say, are you not a part of that? Are you not a part of that? Are you not a part of that? Just ask them. They're not saying anything. They're, not, they're just sitting there. I said, I see you being a part of that in the name of Jesus. I said, I see you being a part of that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just raise your hands and pray in the spirit, everybody, right now. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you. 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 Zena Mahana Brosso, Kuru de Brabalamanda, Brosso Kuru de Vin Mahalan English, Sessela Mahaya Mahaya Nemeno, Samahayaka, Prefen Mahala Grosso, Kuskin Ebrefin Mahala Desis Rablemen Mono Gosotro, Satrapalam Rundunsk Nonso, Nembrehele Mariandoria to Setus Zebra Mariandoria Socor, Vedebrebelebre Socordes Mama no na mania na mosa, gresa kore de revel manene, seta da maria no reveseta revis. Ya baba bade bo, sokuri ya nabro, sokuri dedes. Pray with intensity, don't pray like you're half-hearted now. Pray with fervency. Pray like somebody who is hungry for the things of God. Pray, may the Lord impart upon you as you pray, as you desire 
pray. Thank you, Lord. Said I'm a high above. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're longing for church growth, just pray with intensity, with power. Yes, Lord, we're going to plant more churches. We're going to go beyond South Africa into other parts of the continent. Let the leaven of heaven enter me enter my life Thank you for the flow of your spirit. Jesus. We will serve you and you alone. We will focus on you and you alone, Jesus. Focus on you and you alone. Bless your name. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Right where you are. Take your seats, please. Bow your heads, close your eyes, please. Nobody moving. You've come this morning, you hear, you haven't received Christ in your life as Savior and Lord of your life. You're not born again. Your life is not changed. If you were to die now, you would be lost eternally. Eternally lost. And, and, and being here today, you realize that only Jesus can change your life, transform your life, and make you a totally different person. And you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart right now, right where you are. You need prayer. Would you raise your hand? You want to receive Christ? Just raise your hand today so that I can pray for you. Even the people who are outside, they're in the dome. If there's anybody there, you raise your hand right now and say, yes, here it me. Here, here am I. I want to invite Christ into my life. Just raise your hand right where you are. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for those hands. Would you stand on your feet? The people who've raised your hands, just stand on your feet and just make your way to the front. I want to pray for you. And as you come, take all your, don't leave any of your belongings behind, all right? Don't leave your belongings behind. Just come, let's pray for you. Even if there's somebody in the dome, you come all the way. Come, let's pray with you. Come right now as we pray for you this morning. I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ in your life. Jesus is the only one who's able to change lives. No one else can. Nobody else knows how to transform lives. Only Jesus can. All right, bow your heads, close your eyes and pray with me. Follow me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. 
Thank you for coming into my heart and for making me a child of God. Thank you for this day. This day of transformation. This day of change. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Amen.